by now you've probably had a couple of weeks to digest conference. And I wanted to start today with the simple question of what was your favorite talk? I actually have two. Like immediately I had two. The first one was from Elder Haney and his talk was entitled A Living Prophet for the Latter Days. And I loved this quote from the talk. The quote is, Our seemingly small deviations, quiet neglect, or whispered criticisms in response to prophetic counsel may result in our only walking dangerously near the edge of the covenant path, close quote. Now, if you remember, we talked about how the great test of life is to heed the counsel of a living prophet, right? It's more important for us to heed the counsel of our current prophet than to be concerned about what happened with old prophets, because we will be held accountable for the counsel that those prophets give to us. The other one I absolutely loved, and I mean, how can you not, President Nelson, his Sunday morning talk uh, entitled Peacemakers Needed. There are two power quotes in there that I really love. The first one was, one of the easiest ways to identify a true follower of Jesus Christ is how compassionately that person treats other people. Now, I can totally own there are times when I'm not compassionate in the way that I treat other people. But he's saying true followers of Jesus are identified by that compassion. Then I love this quote. This is awesome. And I probably need to like put this somewhere and then I'm going to pull it out when my kids are grumpy. Quote, you have your agency to choose contention or reconciliation, close quote. It is a choice if we choose to become heated and contentious. So what I want you doing as we're talking today is I want you to think about these quotes and others that impressed you as we discuss a couple of principles the Savior would have us live in 2023. Now, here we are. We're going to be taking a look at some stuff in Matthew and a couple of things over in Luke. I wondered if any of you have ever asked a question and then when you got the answer, you thought to yourself, why did I ask that question? Is it only me that's had that experience when I've asked a question? And then when I got the answer, I was like, dang, I wish I wouldn't have asked that question because the answer wasn't really what I was expecting. Well, Peter has that experience. Here in Matthew chapter 18, Peter starts us out and he asks a really important question. You're going to love this question. We're in Matthew chapter 18, and we're going to look at verses 21 and 22. Matthew 18, 21, 22. Verse 21, then came Peter to him, meaning Christ, and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? Now, you know this question, right? How often do I need to forgive somebody? Do I just need to do it seven times? I don't know exactly why Peter came up with the seven times. I'm going to own I didn't dig too deep into the Mosaic law about that. But you got to love the Savior. And I'm confident this was not the answer that he was expecting. Verse 22. And Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. So here's Peter saying, hey, I'm doing something good, right? If I forgive somebody seven times and the Savior saying, nope, you need to go 70 times seven. Now, this isn't necessarily that we need to forgive somebody 490 times, As much as it is that the Lord is saying the following, and come follow me on page 66, we read this, quote, Christ was not teaching about numbers, but rather about developing a Christ-like attitude of forgiveness, close quote. So it's not the numbers, 
but rather it's how we can become more like Christ. Now, in modern day revelation, he puts it another way. Check this. Doctrine and Covenants section 64, verses 9 and 10. Doctrine and Covenants section 64, verses 9 and 10 state, Wherefore I say unto you that ye ought to forgive one another, for he that forgiveth not his brother and his trespasses standeth condemned before the Lord, for there remaineth in him the greater sin. As you catch that, if we're not willing to forgive, we have the greater sin. We're going to come back to this a little bit later. Verse 10, I, the Lord, will forgive whom I will forgive, but of you it is required to forgive all men. The Lord gets to forgive who he wants to forgive, but you and I, it is required. It's not just like... Might be a good suggestion if maybe you. No, 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 no. It is required for you and I to forgive all men. Now, I'm going to totally own that can be hard. And I'm going to totally own that anger is a real emotion, that grudges are real emotions, and that people can be jerks. Sometimes I can be a jerk. But I want you to contemplate for a few minutes who is someone in your life then that you should forget, that you need to forgive. I don't like the word should. You need to forgive. Like, you know you need to, but dang, they just rub you five kinds of the wrong direction. And it it doesn't even necessarily have to be something big. I am really grateful for someone who taught me about forgiveness and taught me about forgiveness at a very early age. I want to say I was, man, I think I was 14 and I was on the junior high basketball team. And I wish I could remember what my friend and I were disagreeing about, but I'm here to tell you that quote from President Nelson, you have the agency to choose contention or reconciliation. I 100% was choosing contention. And it made it even a little bit more difficult at basketball practice because we played the same position. And so we were often pitted against each other. As we were running a couple of drills, my contention and my anger got to me a little bit and continued to grow until I just chucked a basketball at her head. Well, somebody else on the team noticed, yelled her name. She ducked. Basketball clearly missed her. The coach yelled, who threw that? And I owned it. I said, I did. And she said, take three laps or whatever it was. I don't remember. But I had to take some laps because I was supposed to cool off. Well, Some of you are like me, and when something like that happens, the contention just starts to boil even further. When someone's trying to get you to cool down because you're not choosing to cool down, because remember, it's a choice. You have your agency. And so after running those laps, I wasn't any cooler, and we got into a scrimmage. I remember very clearly what happened in this scrimmage. There were quite a few body checks, and it started to get really physical until we came down, and I was on the offense She set up in the defense, got square, set for a screen, and instead of coming in for the screen, I came in and I roundhouse slapped her across the face. And I slapped her hard enough that I left the imprint of my hand on her left cheek. You can imagine what the coach said. I got to just run laps for the rest of the practice to cool off. Something really surprising happened. At the end of that practice, when we made our way back into the locker room, We had an opportunity to try to reconcile. Elder David E. Sorensen in April Conference 2003 said this, 
Although we must forgive a neighbor who injures us, we should still work constructively to prevent that injury from being repeated. Forgiveness does not require us to accept or tolerate evil, but as we fight against sin, we must not allow hatred or anger to control our thoughts. As we fight against sin, we must not allow hatred or anger to control our thoughts. Close quote. In the locker room, sincerely, like less than 30 minutes after that happened, still with a very red face, she told me that she forgave me. And I had to ask myself a really important question. Why did I let my anger get so out of control? Now remember, Peter asked, how many times should we forgive? And the Savior says, in modern revelation, it's required to forgive all men. And so I committed to myself that I would never lose control like that again. Because the reality is, is you and I honestly live in a world, President Nelson talked about this, where we need to be more Christ-like in the way that we approach people. I absolutely love what happens in this same chapter as the Savior then immediately after this question presents a really cool parable, and it's the parable of the forgiven debt. If we look at verses 23 and 24, we get the setup. Therefore is a kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. Now, I decided that I wanted to do a modern day comparison, so I took to the internet and I took to a lot of research and I had to pull out a calculator, do some math, and then have somebody double check my math. So the king calls in a servant who owes him 10,000 talents. So what's a talent? Well, a talent is a weight of gold, usually about 33 kilogram hour average of 72 pounds. In June 2018, which was one of the most recent measurements I could find, the international price of gold was about $41,000 a pound. So one gram would cost $38. At this price, one talent would cost $1,400,116.57. So... If I was a servant that owed 10,000 talents, I owed approximately $10 billion to the king in today's money. $10 billion. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel really bad when I owe somebody like 50 bucks. So here is this servant who owes the king $10 billion. And you got to love what this servant says. Verse 25. But for as much as he had not... To pay, no kidding, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and a payment to be made. So the king is requiring this man and his entire family be put into slavery and he at least gets the price of that back for the $10 billion that the servant owes. The servant therefore fell down and worshiped him. I'm telling you, I probably would have started there. But the servant falls down, worships the king, And says, Lord, have patience with me. I will pay thee all. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know how this guy thought he was going to pay him $10 billion. But I'm confident he was thinking about his wife. He was thinking about his kids. He was thinking about maintaining his family. And he was seeking mercy from the one person who could give it to him. 27. 
Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Can you believe that? I wish American Express would forgive my debt. You know what I'm talking about? You parents out there, you get it. You get what I'm talking about. And it's not even $10 billion. But the king forgives it. I testify that no matter what we've done, the Savior has the capacity and ability and will forgive us when we sincerely repent. The Savior has that capacity. It doesn't matter where we've gone, what we've done, what grudge we're holding, where we're headed. If we are willing to turn our lives around and seek him, I love this. He fell down and worshiped him saying, Lord, have patience with me. Have patience with me. Now, I don't know about you. If somebody came in and said, Candace, we are going to forgive you all of your debt, which right now with my house, my vehicle, consumer debt, etc. I mean, let's be honest about housing. It's, it, it's a lot. It's not anywhere close to $10 billion, but it's a lot. If someone came in and said, Candace, I forgive all, I'm going to pay all this for you. Do you know what? I'd be like, I am what you tell me what you want. Can I mow your lawn every day? I will be over there to, I will shovel snow in the snowmageddon for you. I would do all kinds of things. This joker who just had $10 billion forgiven of him, check what he does. Verse 28. But that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me that thou owest. Okay, so we've got 10,000 talents at roughly 10 billion. And now he comes out and he says to his fellow servant, hey, you owe me a hundred pence. Don't worry about it. A pence is a measurement of sterling. A hundred pences would be roughly 110 pounds of sterling. So as of March 2023, a hundred pence is worth $123. So he's just been forgiven 10 billion and he grabs his counter over for $123 and says, give me all that thou owest. Verse 29. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Now a debt of $123, I can totally see that getting paid. And he would not, but he went and he cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. $10 billion forgiven. If you had had $10 billion forgiven, would you let somebody who owed you $123 off the hook? I don't know about you, but I'm pretty confident I would. Verse 31. When his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very, the scripture says sorry, but if we look down, the Greek word for that is distressed. Now, I don't know about you, but if I observed these two different scenarios happening, I think I'd feel a little distressed too, right? Like you just watch somebody get forgiven 10 billion and you just watch them get upset about 100 bucks. I'd be distressed. I'd be like, what the what? Somebody make this right. And so these servants, you got to love them. They came down and they told their Lord what was done. Then his Lord, after that, he had called him, said unto him, Oh, thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all thou debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant? even as I had pity 
on thee. And his Lord was wroth, and rightfully so, and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Here's the moral of the story. So likewise shall my father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespass. So we go back to Peter's question. Remember, I've never asked a question you didn't know that you wanted the answer to. And then when you got it, you're like, ah. You and I are all accountable because Peter asked a question. How often should I forgive? If ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespass, we, you and I, will be delivered to the tormentors. Doctrine and Covenants, section 64. I, the Lord, will forgive whom I will forgive. But of you, it's commanded to forgive all men. President Nelson, in April conference just a couple weeks ago, said, quote, We can literally change the world one person and one interaction at a time. Close quote. One person, one interaction at a time. We have that capability. But the bigger question is, will we? Because, I mean, let's be honest. Have you ever noticed how easy it can be to get some type of contention or disagreement between siblings? I have six older brothers and an older sister. You want to see something get heated? Harrington's, we were taught to battle it to the death, right? We had wrestle-offs and box-offs and, oh my gosh, all kinds of things happened. My mom, in an attempt to try and avoid that type of contention on Sundays, particularly for the lower half of the family. I don't know if she did this with the upper half, but with the lower half of my family, we were assigned Sundays to help her. So one Sunday, one brother would help. And then the next Sunday, the next brother would help. And then the next Sunday, the next brother would help. And then it was me. And then it would rotate around and we rotated around so that nobody could be mad of like, I'm doing the Sunday dishes every week. I always have to set the table. Nope. Mm -mm. That is not how it happened. This is your Sunday. And, and you needed to be in the kitchen and you were helping mom and learning all the things and doing all the things. And one particular Sunday when it was my turn to be in there, I just simply didn't want to. And I caused some contention. I'll own it. And I was bugged and I didn't really like, <sighs> you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like you got, you, you know how to make people know that you're totally bugged by your body language and the things that you say and how you say them, right? And so I made sure that she knew that I was totally bugged. Well, later in the afternoon, she took me aside and she said, I want to teach you about two sisters and an issue that they had in the kitchen. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, from the scriptures, can I teach you a story about two sisters and how they disagreed in the kitchen? And I was like, sure, whatever. And my mom took me into Luke chapter 10. I'm going to totally own that between the two of this. This became a running joke. Depending on the way that we would approach things, we would call each other either Mary or Martha. Now, if you remember the story of Mary and Martha here in Luke chapter 10, the Savior has come to their house to dine. And Martha receives Christ into their home and Mary decides to sit at his feet. Okay, so that's the scenario that we're in. Now, take a look at what happens. So we're here in Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went and he entered into a certain village 
And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus's feet and heard his word. Now you got to love Martha here. Verse 40. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. Okay, so she's cumbered about. And she's about to ask, remember, one of those questions that maybe you shouldn't ask. Check this question. I love this. And she came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. I love that she went to the Savior. Hey, Jesus, can you tell my sister that she better get in here and help me with in the kitchen stuff? Can you even imagine? Oh, my gosh. I love how Christ responds to all of this. Verse 40. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. I want you to just think on that for a minute. He said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. Now, if something is needful, it means necessary or essential. So one thing is necessary. One thing is needed. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. What was it that Mary chose? Well, the Savior was there, and instead of being in the kitchen worrying about whether the soup was hot enough, or that the bread was fresh enough, or that it looked like the picture on Pinterest, Mary was like, you know what? Bag it. We'll eat ramen noodles, and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to listen to Jesus. The needful thing was listening to the Savior. Sister Carol F. McConkie, who at the time was the first counselor in the General Young Woman Presidency, in April Conference 2017 said this, quote, If we would be holy, we must learn to sit at the feet of the Holy One of Israel and give time to holiness. Do we set aside the phone, the never-ending to-do list, and the cares of worldliness? Prayer, study, and heeding the Word of God invite His cleansing and healing love into our souls. Close quote. So are we setting aside our worries and our troubles and being focused on the necessary essential things? Or in other words, is Christ essential in your life? And are you putting him first? So we've had a couple of really important questions here. How many times should I forgive? Every single time. Hey, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister have left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. No. One thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that. Are we using our agency wisely? What are the needful things that we should be focused on? Clearly, there are some things that you and I need to go and do this week. So, will you go and forgive some more? Will you have patience When you start to feel it bubbling over and you want to just roundhouse slap somebody, we have patience. We have patience driving. We have patience with those around you. Will you go and put what is needful first? Will you put the Savior where he belongs in our lives, really, in first place? 
I know that as we do both of these things, as we forgive more and we focus on what is needful, life becomes happier and lighter. And let's be honest, in the spring, isn't that what we all need? A little bit more light and a lot more joy. Go forgive, go focus. And as you do, I know you will encounter those things. May you feel lighter because you're forgiving and because you are doing the needful things. Have a fantastic week doing that. Take care. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Go and Do. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review. If you didn't, it's all good. Please come and follow along with us on Instagram at Go and Do Podcast. Go and Do is written and hosted by me, Candace Shu, and produced by Cammie Fisher. Thanks for being here. And until we talk again, have a good time. Don't be a good time. See you soon.